Welcome to Wise Women Speak with Linda Pritcher and Lana Bastianuti, where we give voice to the wisdom in women. Well, hi, Linda. How are you? I'm well, Lana. That's good. Really nice to see you again after about a couple of weeks now. It has been yeah. a couple of weeks. Recently, we talked about this and we brainstormed this idea was because we, as you said, we want to give women a voice. And we want to be able to allow women to tap into their own innate wisdom and really let it soar. Yeah. And see that I think listening to other women and hearing their stories, mm-hmm. connecting to their own wisdom, I think allows them, allows the listener to settle in and think about how what they're hearing relates to them their own wisdom that they can find in their own stories, especially when they begin to speak them, when they begin to notice what's really going on inside, when they look inside rather than outside. I'm sort of curious as to your own life, you know, and what brought you to this this stage and what you've, how your life may have sort of evolved and moved and shifted and been created. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit of a story? A story? Yeah. yeah. I have a long history. I've been in this last six years, which is a, a, a um, I, I took a major turn uh, mm-hmm. six years ago when I decided to move from being a creative person entirely into another form of creativity mm-hmm. um, and to become a, a coach and to make, as I see it, making a difference in the world. I spent all of my time before that six years ago transition um, being an artist uh, and being a creator of products uh, working in businesses, building businesses for other people, hmm. uh, but always on the creative side of things. Um, my training was, I went to Rhode Island School of Design and I uh, graduated in painting. So the first few years out of college, I was a professional artist, uh, which is a challenge in and of itself. So I did other jobs while I painted. So I painted at night and I worked by day. Hmm. And then eventually I, uh, I found a job that was very interesting and it was in visual merchandising. And then that led to merchandising and I realized, oh, well, I'm not just a creative person. I really like this world of business. So kind of a new, a new, area, and it's kind of a new brain functioning, it seemed in a way, Mm. opened up for me. I thought, oh, I really like this organizational piece, and I like the potential that you could have with building a business. So for um, the next maybe 15 years, um, I worked, uh, I moved to New York. I I live now in Providence, and, uh, and then I moved to New York, and I lived there. I worked in the fashion industry for uh, 15 years, and uh, 10 of it in New York. And then I started my, eventually started my own businesses, which I was really destined to do because I realized I was really an entrepreneur at heart. Mm. Um, from the early days of being an artist, always working, I think, on my own, I think allowed me that self-criticalness that's really useful when you decide to become an entrepreneur. 
that you have the drive to do something, to create something on your own, even if it includes other people. And it's wonderful when it includes other people because there's nothing better than Thank you. collaboration. <laughs> well said, Linda. <laughs> I'm just getting to the collaboration part. <laughs> oh my goodness. You're gonna get you're gonna get asked this in return. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And um so I had yeah, I built two different businesses. I was a shoe designer. I've seen your Every shoes. They are gorgeous. Oh my gosh, they're so gorgeous. Yeah, thank you. It was just that was a wonderful ride for a few years. Mm -hmm. Um designing and manufacturing. Made in Italy. Made in Italy. Yes, travel to Italy. Um and and that was that was full of surprises and challenges. And I think I that that business crashed and burned uh, when there was a downturn in the economy. Yeah. Um, and it, that was a very, very challenging time for me. And um, it was a time to really look in the mirror, in a sense, in a metaphorical sense, mm -hmm. and really say, okay, what do you want to do now? Mm -hmm. Do you want to go back and do the same thing? Is it an opportunity for to do something new? Um, well, I went back and I did the same thing, except in a new form, um, where I bootstrapped a little business, custom designing bags and making, having them made in Portugal for, um, for individual customers. And that was really great for a while. But I think that that big transition had occurred that something snapped inside and said, mm. oh, maybe there's something else for you. So when I started to pay attention to some little voices about how I might like to connect and create in a new way, then coaching showed up, a, an opportunity to attend a coaching school. So I thought, well, I can do this, and I can keep that, and I'll just see what this is. So I think a lot of, a lot of us, particularly women, will go through those transition periods where we test out something new, especially if we don't have the fear Right. Mm. It's always okay. Yeah. Test out something new. I mean, I'm sure you tell clients that too. Mm -hmm. Like, just test it out. Somehow, we always think like we have to know. We have to know the end. Yeah. We have to know the future, which right. we cannot know, no matter what. Right. And so that stops us from living in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And as we know, it's in the present moment yeah. when you really are present to to what's at hand, that what's at hand will support you with ideas, with direction, um, with whatever you need. And so I found whatever I needed then. Hmm. And so over a couple more years after I got my coach training, um, I made the full transition into coaching full-time. So if you, when you reflect on, you know, this this journey you've been on with your own life and our, you know, our theme, like our major overriding umbrella theme is wisdom, like parsing out the wisdom that women have. What would you say? I, not to, to put you on the spot, but what what will. I will, <laughs> that's my job. Um, what, when you reflect back, what pieces of wisdom just sort of come to the forefront when you think about your own life? I think being, um, the first thing that comes to mind, this is really interesting, it's grace under pressure. Mm. Um, it's recognizing um, that 
who you really are is not who you think you are. And, and that in all circumstances, there's always something um, greater at work. You know, there's something foundational, there's something supportive, there's something um, that's always available to us so that no matter what happens, it's got your back. Mm-hmm. And the more that you can trust in that, I mean, I, I had, you know, when my business failed, it was a, a major catastrophe of epic personal proportions. And yet I think back on that time as being full of a gracefulness. When I realized I had to make some decisions about how we were going to conduct our lives, how we were going to manage in this complete financial meltdown situation, I felt like a a just a, a natural strength. It wasn't anything special. It just it just felt really graceful. And so operating from that graceful place, I felt like I knew what to do. And I just did one thing after another thing. And it's just what came to mind. So I think that's that's something that's something that um, that I think is available to all of us. So hmm. that's that's lovely. I wish have you always had that? Or is that something that's developed or something that's been awakened? Or how did you come to that? I think some of it probably has come through maturity, like having enough life experience and having enough times where things didn't work out the way I thought they should. That's huge to me because, I mean, I think the thing that I found most um, contrasting to my own life is when you said that you didn't have fear or you learned that if fear wasn't a place to live, you had to just explore and play and open. And that's where things come to you. And that whole piece about trust, because I, I'm a person who, I mean, I came to coaching quite organically and naturally, because I was always fascinated by how people were and what made one person one way and another person another way. So, you know, I did all of my undergraduate work in psychology and I was, you know, headed towards PhD you know, I was always seeking that magic pill, that secret sauce, that whatever, that thing that would finally make me happy. And key here was not in fear because I think I grew up in my life and, and perhaps this is similar to other people. My, my parents did divorce. Um, but for me at that time, when I was younger, it sort of pulled the rug from under me. And I I felt like my foundation had been rocked. And so I no longer trusted. So I tended to live in fear. I tended to, you know, maneuver myself around life in terms of what was safest. So I did a master's degree. That's safe. Okay. Get your job. Well, that's safe. Except when I had my job, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, there's something burning inside of me that wants to come out. What is it? What? There's something I need to be doing something more because this nine to five, whatever, is not unleashing this other 
part of me. And I would reflect on that and think, okay, what do I need to do? So then I immersed myself in self-help. I almost went right back to my psychology roots and thought, okay, there's got to be an answer out there. And so search, 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 search. Life goes on, life goes on. Uh, move, travel, have kids. You know, you get married, you have kids. And all of a sudden I was a, a mom. And thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, this is wonderful, but I still need something more. And so I had a lot of different, whoops, a lot of different adventures in my life, a lot of different fun things where I, you know, I got involved in a lot of volunteer activities. Interestingly, all of them creative because I ended up on the board of a dynamic group factory in, in Montreal when we lived in Montreal and I was helping them with a documentary. And then I was, when we lived in New York, I was part of a music, like I had a friend who was a music contractor. So I was helping her with stuff. So it was all very creative and it was, it was fun and it unleashed something in me, but I could tell that I was still very much, I would go out of my comfort zone for these big things, but in my day to day, I still could feel that thread of fear, like what's safe, what's safe, what's, and I would monitor myself. And yet I was very conscious of the fact that I had two girls and there was no way that I wanted them to live with this sense of fear. And it's interesting what happens unconsciously too, but consciously I deliberately would do things like we go to Disney world and I'm thinking, okay, I want my girls to, to know that they can be outspoken and they can go out of their comfort zone and, and to just go for things. And so there we are at Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, you know, the big show with there's hundreds of people and they're asking for volunteers and whoop, mom puts her hand up and all of a sudden I'm like down with a robe on being one of the extras <laughs> in my Crocs, <laughs> which I had not really thought through. But anyway, I, you know, I would do these things to try to give an example to my own girls. However, they also are influenced by what they see in the world around them, what they see at school, what happens with girls their age and, and how they seem to change. One of the most marked conversations I had with one of my girls is she said to me, you know, mom, how come when I was younger, I was so carefree. I was so free with myself. I was uninhibited. I didn't care what anybody thought of me. I would just march to the beat of my own drum. And let me tell you, this child did. She wants <laughs> she once led her whole preschool out the front door instead of to the playground. She just was going her way. Yeah. Um, and, and she said, but you know, it's not that way anymore. I seem to be so consumed by what other people are thinking of me and this fear. I have this fear. And I thought, oh my gosh, after all my efforts, you know, what, what is this? What is happening to women? It happened to me. It's now happening to my own girls. Um, but suffice to say, like fast forward, I, I, I came back, circled back to psychology again, and I eventually found coaching. And as six years ago as well, like you, I mean, it's funny how our, our timelines yeah, are kind of similar in yeah, some ways. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. It was about six years ago. And, uh, and so, you know, even within coaching though, don't you find you've done different programs, different trainings. I was still searching for the longest time until about 
two years ago now or a year and a half, two years ago. I mean, we have all the training. We, we understand, you know, quite a bit about how the mind works, but we have this new understanding, I think, and appreciation for this innate wisdom that we are all tapped into and that we all can, can access at any time. We just forget because we cover it up with fear yeah. or thoughts or rules or beliefs. And it's really, it's more like a, a subtractive process in a way, isn't it? Because it's, it's here. It's not a technique you need to learn. Yeah. There's nothing you need to really do except to see it for yourself. Yeah. And then once seen, it's always available to you. Yeah. And that's where the grace comes. And that's where the grace comes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to be easier on yourself mm-hmm. when you live in that state, mm-hmm. when that, when you kind of recognize grace for yourself, when you've experienced it, then you know that that's really the way life can be. One can move with ease and grace in spite of whatever comes your way. Yeah. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Lana. Wise women do speak. They do. You've been listening to Wise Women Speak. If you'd like to hear more, please go to wisewomenspeakpodcast.com or find us on iTunes.